0: Hello and welcome to Love, Dating, and Relationships for Spiritual Women. I'm your host, Julie Grimm, and uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a healer and a guide in the Modern Mystery School. I'm really excited to have with me today, Sydney Culver. She is a feminine embodiment coach, and she also is a spiritual guide with the Modern Mystery School. So welcome, Sydney.
1: Thank you. I'm really excited to be here, and this is one of my favorite topics, Love, Dating, and Relationships.
0: Yes, absolutely. When I started this podcast about six months ago, you were already on my list of people that I knew I needed to talk to um, because of all of your posts and everything and follow you on Instagram and Facebook. Um, it definitely seems like an area that we share interest in.
1: For sure. Yeah, it is um, an area that I've been Studying and learning through in my own experience, and I mean, I think women generally we love everything related to dating, sex, and relationships, but um, or dating, love, and relationships. Um, we can throw sex in there. We can throw I sex. See in...
0: where, I see where we're going today. Okay, <laughs>
1: um, but it has definitely been one of the things that I've really devoted a lot of time to, understanding and you know gaining some kind of knowledge and wisdom, and hopefully at some point mastery And because it's that important to me as a woman and I think to us as women. Yeah, wisely said. Uh, So today our topic
0: is the alchemy of relationships or the alchemy of dating. Uh, So if you wanted to get us started, what does that mean to you? And some people who might be listening in, maybe alchemy is something that they've even studied. For others, that might be sort of a new concept. Like what does it mean to be within relationship alchemy? Or explore that even in the dating world
1: yeah so alchemy um, you know in its kind of traditional view is changing lead into gold and so you know when we apply that to our transformation as a human it's like using the lead of our unconscious to get the gold of our of our true self and our true true nature and so I think relationships are such a potent place for this because there's almost nowhere in life where we have as much lead come up um, as when we're in relationships. So relationships, you know, they trigger our our wounds, they trigger our childhood, you know, core beliefs, They, they, they trigger us, you know, they bring up a lot of raw material, that, if we are conscious and we are choosing can be an amazing place to grow and learn and and we can use it to see ourselves more and to know ourselves more, and then to take what we see that we um, you know maybe isn't so pretty or isn't so uh, additive to the realm of relationships, and we can use it to change and grow.
0: I mean, that sounds amazing. And so beautiful. How would somebody, so, you know, even in the dating world, the lead can come up pretty quickly. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm in the online dating scene and I feel like I can get, I can sometimes be triggered just in the first conversation with somebody or even vice versa. I know that I've triggered them. What does somebody do with that? How do we use that not as a, you know, so what I'm asking here, I guess, is that what I see often when people get triggered is that they just kind of push away, especially in the early uh, moments of dating because there isn't really that strong relationship that's been formed. So there's not really a commitment per se. And so you just kind of reject somebody or get rejected or whatever the situation may be. So what would that trigger, what's another way to work with that trigger, I guess, for people?
1: Yeah, well, I actually feel that dating in some, (laughs) excuse me, dating in some way provides an even richer context for alchemy because, because there isn't that commitment and there isn't that, um, we're not going to do relationship alchemy together in dating. It's all comes back to us. Like it's just right there. Like if anything comes up you know, in me, I know for sure that it's mine. There's no like sneaky bit that I get to blame it on my partner or, you know, I don't, not going to work it out until my partner does X, Y, Z, or, you know, like it really is about us with us. And so I think the first piece of that is to recognize that um, if something's coming up for us, it is ours, you know, and there's, there's a lot you know, when we're when we're in relationship, there it's easy to you know to get into a lot of weeness or you know make it about the other person or project on the other person or you know if he did this then I could do that or if she did this then that you know. But with dating, like that's all removed, even though you know because there's no commitment and because sometimes we don't someone ghosts us or disappears and there is no opportunity for any engagement and a lot of times early on there are certain conversations that just aren't appropriate and so the you know the opportunity for everything that comes up for us to fully be ours to hold and to you know to really look at and to potentially you know do a little alchemy on or to own you know like that that's the that's the big opportunity in dating and you're right it happens readily and quickly And there requires some discernment because sometimes, you know, there are just times where a behavior is poor and we can just go acknowledge that that was poor behavior and move on. Um, But I think that for me, anytime I get a charge, anytime I really have a charge, I always take a moment and look and, and ask myself, what is really here that's mine? What need isn't being met? What belief is there? Um, And I take a moment with it, because if there's a charge that's, in my world, an indication that there's something there um, that's being hooked, and if there's something there that's being hooked, that's something, you know, for me to notice and to alchemize. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And then, but to go deeper with that, because, um,
0: you know, ghosting seems to be so common nowadays in part because of that sort of lack of commitment, which makes sense, especially in the beginning, it's like, okay, we, we really don't owe each other anything. We maybe haven't even met physically yet, but how much of that do you think might actually be sort of um, reactionary or almost, not necessarily like talking about ghosting in, in and of itself, but at what point do we stick with something although we're triggered versus walk away? So, you know, do we say, oh, I'm triggered, I'm going to continue forward, whereas I feel like typically when we're triggered early on in relationships, we just wave bye-bye, like this isn't going to work, see you later, my friend.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer for that, and there is a lot of nuance and discernment in that, but I, I do think that every time there is a trigger, there is the opportunity for self inquiry and to really look in the mirror and ask ourselves, you know, the harder questions. And then once we do that process, we can determine, is this, is this then something to walk away from, or is this then something to, you know, continue to lead into because this just really was my stuff and it wasn't a red flag or an indication of a behavior I'm not willing to tolerate. And even, you know, no matter what direction that decision is, there's still the opportunity for our own reflection in that and then from that we can decide but I think far too often people go like triggered you know projection of they fill in the blank and I'm just going to move on without learning anything and I think that's a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah what I'm hearing that I love which is so interesting is it's like regardless of what kind of direction you choose, whether to keep seeing the person or whether, you know, that really wasn't a great fit. It's really about yourself first and foremost, and taking that time to, to, like you said, if there's an emotional charge, get clear on what's the source of that emotional charge. And then almost, you know, not related even, or it'd be, obviously that, that clarity is going to feed into the decision that you make, but it's like, whether you stay with them or not, it's actually just about getting that clarity within.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is not an opportunity that that many people maybe see or take, but I feel like that's a very, um, that's part of what, if if that is taken, that opportunity is taken, can make dating such an amazing place to learn and grow. Because the truth is, is that, if there is something within us, then that can be what is driving somebody away or that can be what might sabotage, sabotage a relationship. And that might even be what draws out a certain behavior from someone because unconsciously, you know, there's always these, uh, unconscious programs running and triggering each other. And we, you know, if we never really look below the surface, they're just gonna keep running and triggering and we're not gonna, you know, it's like, if we keep doing the same thing and getting the same results, the opportunity is to change in the moment that the opportunity presents itself as anytime we are, we are triggered.
0: I mean, that goes back to the reflection that you were talking about because there might be something kind of quote unquote hidden or my blind spot that I'm not really perceiving in me, that then that other person mirrors or draws out or reflects. And then it's up to me whether I'm going to honor the reflection for what it is, or like you said, project whatever my story is onto that experience and kind of write them off, um, which is so easy to do. And I found myself doing this even recently, um, you know, especially as women, I think nowadays, unfortunately. We kind of throw all the power in the men's court. You know, we say, oh, the man, there aren't enough good men. Oh, the men don't want commitment. Oh, the men don't want to do this. They don't want that. Not really understanding how we're feeding into and creating that behavior and that outcome. And, um, you know, having that opportunity to actually reflect on what is the deeper lesson that this experience is showing me, um, maybe about myself. And the way that I'm holding myself and my energy in the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel one of the one of the things that's kind of running unchecked right now in the world, um, and this might push a few buttons for me even to say this, um, is is the feminine shadow, and part of that shadow is um, to kind of remain in some form of victim, or you know. And an extension of that if and if i don't self-identify as a victim is to always be putting the responsibility and the blame over there with the men or over there with the other and and not the humility to take a step back and go well wait well what's over here on my side
0: yeah i love how you put that because it is about humility Um, humility to be able to see that maybe we're not perfect either, you know, which doesn't say that the other side of the street maybe doesn't have their faults, but where within me can I clean up my side of the street or my end of the deal, you know, however you want to put it. And then um, I love, you know, we were talking about relationship alchemy and that's the beauty of it. It is alchemy. It is sort of magic in a way, because as you start to do that inner work, your reflection becomes clearer yes yes yeah you
1: just draw different different experiences
0: and those patterns i mean that's kind of i think the other thing that you were identifying is when we start to have an experience that's a pattern that continually repeats that's probably a good indicator that there's something within us that we're not seeing and you know after the 15th swipe left or you know whatever that didn't work because he did something, you know, using the male in this, in this example, because I'm dating men, but you know, whoever it is, however, that is uh, appearing to us, you know, the 15th or however many times that it goes by and we say, oh, this thing happened again to me, you know, maybe that's a time for us to start to say, well, what within me is causing this
1: pattern to replay over and over again? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, I had like 15 thoughts run through my mind when you were talking. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like one thing I see a lot in both men and women is that there's this tendency that when we have something happen to us or you know, a relationship ends and it's very painful, there's a, you know, it's easy to harden. It's easy to harden, it's easy to put a shell on or to be jaded or to shut down some part of our heart. Uh, which kind of then perpetuates the cycle. And it takes a lot of courage and a pretty deep self-commitment to to tend to that hurt in such a way that it doesn't create this scar that hardens or closes off our heart, but to to really allow it to be something that deepens us and and a place where we can gain a lot of wisdom and self-insight and then when we take that to the next relationship then there's something entirely different that's possible where when we take our hardened hearts or our scarred hearts and the story of you know i the protection mechanisms or the story it's very hard to have a new experience or even to have the experience that we truly desire because it you know the very story that we're taking in and the very protection that we're taking in is is its own um self fulfilling prophecy in some ways. It
0: absolutely is, and you know, armor or defense. You said wall. I mean, it's it's essentially blocking what we most likely desire from ever coming to fruition, because it's basically putting up a wall, saying no, I, I'm not actually willing to receive or accept or give or flow that energy um, of love. What you were saying, it really reminds me of a poem by Rumi about love. Which I'm not even going to try and recite because I would just butcher it. But essentially, he says, you know, may, may my heart become the bread of sacrifice on love's mm-hmm. altar. And if I'm not willing to be burned by love, then I shouldn't even really enter into its mysteries. I should better for me to stay kind of outside in my safe space, but never really know the highs and the lows. And it, it's so true because we do need to be open to experiencing both the, the joys of love, but also the heartbreak. Yeah. Um, and not not place one above the other or only try to choose pleasure, only try to, to select the joy and not acknowledge that there is risk of harm. But that harm, kind of going back to the story of alchemy, if we really understand alchemy it's not it's not harm to our eternal nature right right Right. we're we can't we're not going to be damaged eternally by that it's um it's a maybe a superficial wound and incredibly superficial to our eternity but uh when we identify with that wound or when we identify only with our ego or lower self that can feel you know like our entire being has been shattered
1: yes Absolutely. And I just want to say, like, I've had that experience of being feeling like I was absolutely shattered, you know, crushed, brought to my knees and, you know, felt in that moment so clearly when I was just at the deepest part of my shattering. I was like, it would be easiest right now for me to harden. Like I could tell that that was the easiest decision and I could see I could harden here or I could choose love again and again and again and I made that choice and then therefore that shattering was the opportunity for a profound shift where if I would have hardened you know all the lessons you know would have been missed and the transformation would have been missed and I just would have walked around in the world with a hardened heart.
0: And it does happen I mean I know for myself there was a pattern or a story that I've had been telling myself probably since childhood, you know, since my first crush about what the reality of my, you know, ability to be loved and have that reciprocated was, was like this story of unrequited love essentially. And I did a really deep healing series with a local healer here She's actually in New York City, that is all about deprogramming the mind, especially the subconscious mind, like we were talking about before. It's where a lot of those programs live. And honestly, I didn't even really see that I was doing this until I did that healing series with her. And um, the result of it was that I realized how, in protecting my heart and basic, you know, hardening it, I was blocking this flow of love. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't even mine to block. Mm. There was this way that I felt like I could and should control these divine forces and actually repress them
1: because they
0: weren't going to be reciprocated because whatever it was. And yeah, and sometimes it didn't play out the way that I wanted or expected or desired. But what ended up happening was I realized all of these instances throughout you know, a decade or more of time where I had, instead of not even communicating with that person, not even trying to have a relationship with that person, simply allowing love to flow. Instead of simply allowing the love to flow, I had just said, nope. And obviously you can imagine all of the that that would just block flow, not in relationships, but in all aspects of your life, because, you know, we're uh, holographic and Mm multidimensional beings. And if I'm doing that with a a partner or, you know, a love interest or whatever it might be, you know, where else am I doing that? And so this healing series was really profound because I, you know, I I didn't even really communicate with these people. I just went back through and performed this alchemy (laughs) where I said, okay, no, we're going to flow that love. Okay. And now I choose, I choose to flow that love and the results were really, you know, surprising because it was, I don't think I'd ever experienced something uh, so profound up until that point um, where, you know, I'm still actually friends with some of these people. And I've seen that um, our intimacy has been able to grow deeper, even just in a friend level and I think about that sometimes because I'm like, I don't, I don't even really know what my love is doing. You know, these are some of the mysteries of life. Like, what, what is love, and what does it do? And I sort of, from that experience, you know, I now kind of think of love as this, you know, beautiful, uniting, nourishing, healing energy that's flowing throughout the world. And every time I say no because I feel uncomfortable about it or because I have a story about what that means. Um, I'm saying no to life. (laughs) I'm saying no to like nourishing and supporting these people who I do really clearly care about because I'm afraid that, oh, they'll never be my partner or they'll never be my boyfriend or they won't love me back. So therefore I won't allow this to flow into the world.
1: You just said so many things that are incredibly profound. And I, I want to highlight them because they are just reverberating through my being. And one is that love is a force beyond us, you know, and that, um, and that when we block it out of pain, we block it also for ourselves and the nourishment that we get by just having, there's, you know, having an open heart, regardless of if it's in, you know, for no reason is more, life affirming and nourishing for us in our whole life and and I, I I think a lot of times we have a relationship to love based on an outcome you know like we have this Romantic ideal or it means that I'm going to have the partner and live happily ever after like we have this real attachment to an outcome, rather than love itself being its own. transformative journey like love itself being this mystery and this force of the universe that has its own support and intelligence that's guiding us in life ultimately towards what we what our soul needs and wants. And I just really love how you spoke to that, because I I think that that's lost in, you know, we just are focused on getting the goal or the prize or the king or the queen or whoever. And we forget that the journey of love is its own becoming and its own really beautiful, important alchemy in and of itself.
0: Yeah. And I think that goes back to how we started this conversation, which is why dating and relationships are such rich environments for that alchemy because the love is flowing or the attraction you know these divine forces are really at work in relationships and sometimes they're at work to draw up and out the dark things that you know outside of the context of love and compassion and safety and care we might not feel comfortable ever touching right right
1: yeah. I mean, there's some wounds that we only can access, you know, between us and and God. And there's some wounds that only will get accessed between us and another. And, you know, I think you could go your whole life never seeing some of them until you were touched by by love and relationship with another. And and then then they're impossible to deny because then they come screaming out in all of their unmet often inner child ways
0: <laughs> yeah I, I seem to be just sharing um about my own lessons learned hopefully to serve whoever is listening but it's reminding me of another kind of lesson learned um, i really do feel like there's certain so i've been dating for a while and at a certain point i was like okay, i really want a life partner and so I became extremely stringent about who I would date. And they had to meet this, whole, meet this whole like host of criteria, which on the one hand is great, but on the other hand was extremely limiting to the point where I wasn't, I was just saying no to everybody. And I it came to a point where I realized that I was a little bit saying no to love and mm. how love can operate outside of our checklist. Um, and that it is alchemical in its operations and that if we follow it meaning you know it's not that that person now is going to be my end-all be-all but there's something there for me to learn that's a stepping stone and I have to learn in relationship and I just for whatever reason I can't it won't be brought up it won't be stirred up it won't Mm -hmm. show its face outside of relationship and so Um, this was only, you know, maybe during COVID, it's only the last year, I've started to say, okay, um, you know, I have my standards, but at the same time, remain a little bit open, remain a little bit flexible, and follow that force and allow it to kind of do its work and show me what's within me so that I can get to work rather than stay in that aesthetic state, which, okay. you know, I think we, we all have our own balance. And so for some people, they might actually need to go to the aesthetic state and like do some deep work there. But for me, that's kind of an easier place to, to stay and to linger. It's a safe harbor. And, um, and within that safe harbor, you know, all of those issues that I, I needed to look at, I desired to look at, they just weren't getting trudged up. In the same way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: That uh, one thing I try to be aware of, kind of similar to what you were speaking to, is when I am very, very first in the like attraction phase and you know connecting with someone phase, and I have less attachment and less projection running. I I try to be really discerning in that moment to ask myself like, what really is the contract here? What really is the purpose here? Because I know as soon as we get into like more attachment or physicality or connection, like it's really easy for my romantic projections to come out. But at the very beginning, when I have a little more discernment and a little, and a little bit wider lens, I really feel like I can discern and feel like, okay, season, reason, lifetime, you know? Like, okay, this person may not be that person but there is something here and maybe we're here to learn something together. And then I try to, to really honor that, you know, that knowingness that comes through at the beginning so that I don't, you know, project into it, what it doesn't need to be. And I can just really honor it for what it is. And the times that I've not done that is when I've gotten in trouble, <laughs> the times where I've been like, at the beginning, I knew, cause I think you, we always know, yeah. then at some point I decided to like make it something else is when I've. To hold on longer. or Yeah, to, to... hold on longer or to be disappointed when I knew in the beginning what it really was. Yeah, I you know
0: it's really hard, but but also, you know, again, about that hardened heart, if we're able to kind of learn to flow with that a little bit more, we open ourselves up to more experience and more fun and play. Something that helped me recently was I read this book called Once Upon a Tinder by Davina Anne, who um, is also a high level initiate within the Modern Mystery School, who you, I'm sure you know, Sydney. And um, her stories, she just tells stories. They were so fun and joyful. And it was all about that alchemic al, al-, al- and sharing with a partner. And, you know, she's at a very different stage in her life than I am. So, you know, maybe we're learning different lessons, but it reminded me like, oh yeah, there can be this lightheartedness and not that we're using people and just, you know, throwing them away, but almost like dancing, dancing was mm-hmm. life and taking a partner for a song. And then when the song is over saying, okay, that was a lovely dance and goodbye, you know, where's my next partner. But, um, but as you said, you know, as that song gets a little bit longer, inevitably that's, you know, inevitably feelings are going to deepen and it will be, there will be some amount of grief and set, you know, in that separation, even if we know it's going to be inevitable. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also dating is a great place to, you know, along that kind of lightness to practice. You know, to practice um, the skills that we could then use in a relationship later on. Or, you know, one one person that I I follow, she talks about practicing our feminine embodiment. You know, like it's it's a place where we really get to be in the dance and the and the play and the practice, and it doesn't have to be always so serious. And in that play and in that practice, we're we're growing and preparing ourselves even more for. Who we would want to be and how we would want to show up to be with that ultimate partner, to, you know, to, because the only way we can ever draw that is if we're that reciprocal. And so we get the opportunity to refine that with every dance.
0: And to see what we like and what fits us and what doesn't fit us. And, you know, something that I love about dating is that as I grow, I can see how I change you know, with these different partners, okay, how am I being a little bit different here? How am I being more feminine, softer, more receptive? Or how am I being more um, witty or playful or talkative or whatever it might be? Um, And what do I like? Yeah. Which which part of me do I like to bring out? Which part of me do I enjoy bringing out? Um, And that's been one thing as I've moved away from that kind of I have to find the one which was causing me to become extremely attached to the people I did finally choose. I can be a little bit more uh, open-minded and flexible and, and explorative with those um, with people.
1: Yeah, and again that also is about you making it about you rather than about the outcome. And it's not to say that we make it about us that you know we just become selfish, but like when we really, are always using life and in this instant, the very potent experience of dating that is life to use it as a mirror, to self-reflect, to grow, to make it about us, then it becomes a very different journey than chasing an outcome or being attached to how something needs to be. Then it's, it, then it's like the world opens up of exploration. Rather than narrows, you know, there's almost like when I feel the, the outcome, I feel like this contraction in my body rather than this like, oh, it's, it's a journey, it's a mystery, it's an invitation. And that feels such like a different place to live from.
0: Yeah, when you were saying that, it reminded me of the phrase, you know, we're in conversation with life when we're open to that experience and when we're not as narrow-minded, you know, life gives us things and we can say, yes, we can know, we can interact with it versus just have our blinders on basically saying, no, 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 no to life. And there might be moments where that's what we need to do, you know, when we just need to focus all of our will and be zeroed in on something. But you can't stay in that energy forever
1: because it's co- exhausting it's exhausting and we're, we, we also are co-creating right it's like there's a there's a, a dance a weave a give and take you know we have we as creators we have our intention and then we're co-creating with a with a with a bigger experience of life inside of that and sometimes if we're too narrow, we don't see that like our intention actually presented itself because we assumed that it was gonna look like this over here when it actually shows up.
0: Yeah, or like I was saying, the pathway to your intention, the stepping stone, because you're here and your intention's all the way here. And guess what? There's like a hundred steps in between and you do need to take them. You can have magic. You can, you can go a little bit faster, but you can't mm. skip things. So, so like, true. say you want that, here's the pathway. You're like no, but it's not that okay. But it's the pathway. But it's not that. It's literally the way that you have to walk. You can't go around it, my friend. I'm sorry. You're like oh, okay. I guess I'll.
1: I guess I'll walk. <laughs> I guess I'll take the steps. That is such a good point. I love that. It may, it's almost like the analogy I think of is like, you know, we want to. You know, somebody wants to be the the CEO of a business, but they're not willing to. You know be the, to be an employee, or to go to, to go learn a skill, or, you know, all the different things, they just want to be at the end, and, and that's very applicable to dating, and I think that for, for some of us who have, you know, I, I, I I feel I carry, like, a knowingness in, in my being of a certain quality of relationship, you know, and I think that there's a lot of us that have this, desire for a very profound kind of union you know a divine union a sacred union like a, a beautifully deep holy kind of relationship and in order to be the one that could have that and in order to be the one that could draw that and in order to be the one that could sustain that there are so many lessons and skills and developments to become I love that when you said that I just felt so, um,
0: just felt so juicy and rich, and I think that's why you know when you're talking about how women are really drawn to relationships, and especially a lot of the people that I talk to, women are so interested in relationships, and also have struggled greatly with relationships. And I think it's for that exact reason that we are really um, in a time where a lot of people have in their hearts this knowing like you said so beautifully that they're meant for that but that doesn't mean without work
1: yeah yeah and I also will just kind of drop in not to like create a whole other tangent is that I really see so much pain and confusion around you know the understanding of of masculine and feminine energies and not just I'm not talking about the gender of male and female I'm talking about you know like the energetic of masculine and the energetic of feminine and how to nurture those and how to honor those and how they dance together and you know the like those are these these archetypes that are meant to be a part of union and we have a lot of wounding and distortion and shadow and misunderstanding and you know we've lost access to those pure archetypes and I I see that as a as a big big piece too and I feel like one of the things that needs our alchemy in our you know in our our own individual process like the alchemy of like what is my relationship to these Universal energies, how am I holding them? How am I relating to them? How am I dancing with them? How am I, you know, allowing them in another? And that, I think that's a really important piece of the alchemy as well.
0: Yeah. What I see in that is that we have become over identified with the labels, the human labels that we applied to those archetypal energies, which are like essences, like divine mm-hmm. essences. And because the human labels have, have a lot of BS around them and, and mental pollution, we wanted to throw everything out. We said, I don't like these mental labels. I'm going to throw them out. And I'm also going to throw out the divine essence that's behind that. And I'm going to not even interact with it. But that leaves us basically with nothing. Yeah. And so what I think about when I think about that with within myself or with clients that I work with. It's like, okay, if you are unwilling to pick up an energy, a divine energy, because of some mental story about it, that's a place in your life that you will, you're barring yourself from exploring, you're barring yourself from experiencing, and you're also probably uh, limiting yourself in the way that you relate to other people. So you're barring that, that connection that could come from picking up the energy, whether it's You know, father energy, mother energy, warrior energy, uh, protectorship, priestess energy, whatever it is. Um, this conversation I had was specifically about warrior energy. So it wasn't even about dating per se. But you know, if we if you're never going to pick up the warrior energy, I can almost guarantee you're gonna be an enabler. You're gonna enable people, you're always gonna be the soft person to them and support them. But what that results in for some, unfortunately is that um, bad habits get encouraged and bad behavior gets encouraged and just allowed. It's permissible. On the other hand, if you're always using the warrior energy, then, you know, people might not feel like you're very compassionate and there might be missed opportunities there to show love, care, and affection to others. So it's like, we're multidimensional people. These are universal energies that we can pick up at will and wield to create, harmony in our life and so if you have lack of harmony in a relationship with other relationship to self i can almost guarantee it's because for some reason you've told yourself it's bad it's not good this is not an energy that i am and so for whatever so you'll i will not pick it up and i will not wield it and i will not use it basically at your own disservice and whether that's because you don't like the word, word woman, or you don't like the word man, or you think that that actually doesn't exist and we're all the same, uh, it's not about the words.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's mm-hmm. about those energies mm-hmm. and their creative forces. If you're, if you're limiting yourself because of the mental constructs, um, you're, you're basically not allowing yourself to experience the fullness and richness of life. That's my boom. boom. <laughs> that's my take on it, and well, and I guess one more thing just to tie it in a bow, because when you were talking, it was also reminding me, you know, we were talking about alchemy. Alchemy is part of Hermetic study, and the modern mystery school anchors the Hermetic Ray here on the Earth, and the Hermetic Ray uh, has the seven Hermetic laws, and polarity is one of those seven Hermetic laws. Rhythm, one of those seven, seven hermetic laws. Gender, one of the seven hermetic laws. And these are laws that whether or not you like them, manage the energetic flow in our world and in our reality. And again, like I was talking about, you can choose to wield them. There are energies that you could choose to master and work with, or you can, uh, because you don't like the words, ignore. But to your own detriment
1: it reminds me a lot of our you know it's it's similar to the conversation we had about you know the wound of the heart blocking the flow of love you know for self first um and then you know how that impacts the rest of life and that you know there are these universal energies that we are designed to flow and move and interact with and embody and you know, very often it's our human experience and like you say the pollution of the mind which often comes from you know beliefs that come out of traumatic experiences or you know we have an experience and then we we encapsulate it with with a misunderstanding of and we that becomes our worldview that all of this is the pollution that blocks these universal energies from you know moving in our lives and 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 that that all of that distortion or those lenses or that pollution or those filters or whatever word we want to put on that is the very thing that we are here you know i believe as humans on a spiritual path to alchemize like that is the lead that once we clean it then we have access to the gold of these universal energies the gold of our own being the gold of of a deeper connection and that that is the very stuff that life but in this conversation relationships and dating you know can show us and it's like you know i I just keep getting this image of like this um you know, kind of cloudy lens that we, you know, can't see clearly through and that we we have the opportunity to clean it and then have a very different opportunity to experience the universe and ourselves and to move these universal energies. But I love how you talked about them being so much bigger than our, our human understanding because I think especially in the collective narratives right now, we've lost the script of them being inherently part of the divine order
0: i love what you're suggesting too though because it's like as we practice working with them we are not only getting a sense of what the true essence of those energies are but we're also clearing up that distortion that exists probably in our mind but also in the mind of all humans so you know what a great opportunity for somebody if they do feel like they have beef with the feminine or the masculine for whatever reason, or whatever those different energies are that they've identified for themselves, that if they practice, they experiment, they pick it up and and work with it, you know, how much are they able then to create clarity for themselves about what the truth of that energy is, and not the distortion, the misunderstanding.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the danger in not cleaning it is that we will then continue to create situations that reinforce the distortion yeah so we'll continue to you know to draw the person or have the experience or you know fill in the blank where we go see that's how it is
0: that's actually a great tool maybe for people to recognize and identify when they're stuck in a pattern. If they go, see, this validates my um, hardened heart assessment of life, probably you are stuck in an alchemical pattern that you can easily break out of through a little bit of self-reflection.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say, you know, maybe it's like the the pattern itself is an opportunity for for alchemy and it's coming up for that reason if you know and and we're always at choice it's always a choice if we are going to you know what we're going to do with that information um but i truly believe that if you know if more people were aware of that opportunity and more people used those moments to self-reflect and then to do the deeper inner work of, like, wait a minute, that's actually, you know, showing me this this wound inside of me, this belief inside of me, this this inner child that didn't get X, Y, Z need met. You know, this this projection I have because my parent had it. You know, whatever it is that that that's the opportunity for that to be transformed. And if if I feel like if people were really entered into relationship. And especially in the dating world with that attitude, it would be such a different experience. And it doesn't even, you know, the, the powerful thing about dating is that we don't ever need to make it about the other person. We don't ever need to like talk to them about it. We don't ever need to make a story up about them. You know, we can just notice what's ours and handle ours and then get the gift and the wisdom and the lesson from that. I love what you're saying too, because
0: um, there's a certain amount of respect for the challenge, for the problem, for the obstacle. And it's like you know, when we um, honor what's being shown versus rejected or curl up in pain, I mean, there might be pain through the process, but we don't accept the gift, like you said of that opportunity which might seem like a challenge or an issue or a problem then we're also you know not accepting life in a way yeah absolutely amazing so what would quickly what would you say if somebody is trying to break out of a pattern they want to start really digging into this relationship alchemy where would you steer them what sort of um, direction would you give them?
1: Yeah I would say that every time you know I think one of the the pieces that prevents people from this is that they have a relation really, like they're afraid of feeling difficult emotions right and so I want to just re, you know the invitation to remove the fear and the judgment against feeling because when those triggers come up or those emotions come up, usually the tendency is to push them down and to move away from them. But when we allow ourselves to touch them and really feel them is when we can feel then actually what the raw material is that's there for us. So when we let ourselves really feel it and not from a reactionary, I got to discharge it on someone else kind of way, but like, oh, wait a minute. What is that with curiosity? Like, what is that feeling? If I really sit with it, and I drop in a few layers, then I can, I can go, oh, okay, I have a fear there. What's the fear? Oh, maybe it's a, a fear of rejection. Okay, what's underneath that? Oh, I actually have a belief that I'm not lovable or whatever, you know, whatever it is, but to just slow down and to be willing to feel what's uncomfortable and to feel it from a place of curiosity, like what is here? what's under that? What's under that? And then, Oh, I'm a bad person because I'm angry.
0: Oh, I'm a bad person. I know that's something I've definitely struggled with. Um, is that judgment, like you said, of how we feel. Yeah. So, so Oh, I don't even know him. How can I be so upset? I don't even know this person. It's like,
1: right. So to remove the judgment and the story part of it, and to just really start with the, like, what is the actual feeling without judgment, without it needing to be different, without trying to move away from it or distract from it and change it, then that is, that's where the gold really is. That's where we can get so much information. And that isn't, I'm, you know, that's not easy because usually we have a lot of inner defense mechanisms, you know, and judgments, you know, about what it, you know, if I'm angry, that means this about me, or if I feel that feeling, I'm going to, fall apart and never get out out of bed again, you know, like there can be these big exaggerated judgments. But when we actually just are willing to sit in whatever it is that we're experiencing, it's able to move through us quite quickly, and we get a lot of insights. And so then when you have those insights, then there is the, you know, the next question is, is what am I seeking outside of myself that I can give to myself in this moment? So if I'm seeking, you know, validation like oh my god he didn't text me back you know like I didn't get that you know that validation of whatever like okay well what's the part of me that needs that and how can I give that to myself you know or what there's so many variations of this right but to sit with a feeling identify the deeper needs beliefs um, and you know, kind of the worldview there, and then to work with that in a myriad of ways. But usually one of the things is to give ourselves what we were subconsciously seeking from another. So many tidbits of gold right there. Simple,
0: profound, very Simpl- profound.
1: Simple, but not easy.
0: Right, simple, but not easy and also very profound and something that no matter how deep
1: far you go, remains the same. It's true, it's true, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and if that, you know, that can be applied to any time we have, we have a trigger, but I, I know for myself, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is that um, it, this has been where I've had my biggest struggles, my biggest joys, and also my deepest learnings. Yeah. That's
0: how it usually goes, I guess. So if you are struggling with relationships, don't, don't have fear, don't get down, don't give up hope. There's brighter days for you. And I'll just make a quick plug. I, both, I know we both teach empower thyself, but I, I know feeling your feelings can actually be very terrifying for people. I I'm, come from a very academic background. People that I work with typically are very mental. That's like their safe place. So feelings then are like the not safe place. And I know for me, when I first took this class, Empower Thyself, there was actually a a component of energetic protection, divine protection that happens. And that allowed me basically for the first time in my life to really feel safe enough Hmm. to begin to feel those feelings that I was so resistant and afraid of. So if you are finding that uh, for whatever reason, you're not really able to go there on your own. I would suggest a working with somebody. I mean, I know that you're a female embodiment coach. So working in partnership so that that person can hold space for you or becoming a bigger container yourself through something like an initiation that's going to actually alter your energetic vibration and support you in being able to hold more space and have more light to go to those deep players, those deep places that for whatever reason, you just aren't feeling capable of accessing.
1: Absolutely. It is a skill. It is a skill that builds on itself. You know, it's like a muscle. It's like first you might only be able to lift, you know, one pound and then eventually you can lift five and 10 and 20. And it's the same. It's like that capacity builds and you're absolutely right. Sometimes, you know, it's very, very helpful to both have it modeled by a space holder and then to get the tools and the initiations to hold that much more light for yourself. Awesome. Well, it's been so much fun to chat with you, Sydney. I'm really glad that we
0: took this time to connect. And I loved hearing your take on alchemy, turning relationship lead into gold, like we talked about. It's just, I feel like it's a huge um, turning point for humanity right now. And so it is very much up for people collectively and clearly something that we're both really passionate about. So it was really lovely to connect with you on that.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you for having me and for creating this dialogue. I think it's really important right now. So thank you so much. It's been a delight. Absolutely. And if anybody wants to get in touch with Sydney, her
0: contact's going to be underneath this video. So you can just click those links and connect with her that way. All right. Thanks all. Thanks for tuning in. Thank
1: you. Bye.